What the world needs now is positivity. Connecting, relating, and being human together is where it's at. Hi there, honey German, and I know life happens, but trust, you got this. And State Farm got us. It feels good knowing that State Farm agents are there to help you choose the right coverage with great support 24-7. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, hosted by MC8 and Big Steel. It's every Thursday, already a know. podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, Gangster Rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Locatora Radio. Locatora Radio. Mommies of myth and bullshit. A radiophonic novella. Locatora Radio, hosted by Mala Munoz and Diosa Femme. Hello, welcome back to Locatora Radio. This is Diosa Femme. And this is Mala Munoz. Thank you for tuning in once again to Brown Girl Hour. Yes, Locatora Radio is where we celebrate the brilliance and legacies of women and femmes of color. Thanks so much for tuning in yet again. This is Capitulo 10. Yay! Yay! Capitulo 10! It's a big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal. Um, the name of this capitulo is Para Luchar Hay Que Chismear, and we have a really special guest, which we'll be introducing in a little bit. We're so excited. We're so excited, especially because, I don't know, I'm sure some of you have noticed <laughs> that we Maybe. probably, we haven't released an episode in about a month now. We have had... A journey. All everything the universe has been working against us: sound, studio things, equipment, retrograde is now you know in process. Yes, yes. So thank you so much for being patient, for tuning in. We'll tell you more about it. We'll tell you more about the journey to get here. But it's a mini milestone for us, and we have some other milestones that we've experienced 
recently some really exciting announcements. Yes. So recently we were asked to be a part of a Facebook Live series with Remezcla. So they had a storytelling um, Facebook Live series and they asked Locatora to be a part of it and Mala represented us. So do you want to talk a little bit about the video? Yes. Experience? It was so much fun. So like Remezcla and the Philadelphia Latino Film Festival and um, Latino Victory, they came together to put together like a series of talks. And this was the final installment of their Facebook Live talks. And it was all about like storytelling as resistance and as a tool for organizing. So it was really fun. And I Skyped in and we talked about storytelling as resistance. So shout out to Remezcla and to the Philadelphia Film Festival, um, to Latino Victory, to Andrea and everybody who was a part of it. It was really fun. It was cool. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't able to be a part of it because I had a meeting for my day job that I could not miss. And what I like, shout out to Mala because she really represented the both of us. She included me in the dialogue. We were able to go over the questions beforehand and she made sure that my voice was still heard. So shout out to you. That was really amazing. I try, girl. Yes. (laughs) And then because of that, there was actually a write up feature article on Remezcla. So shout out to Yara Simon for that. For writing it. For writing it. Yeah. So it's around. It's on Remezcla. It's on Facebook. Yes. Our Instagram, you know, so if you want to check that out, it's available. Yes, and then, and then, we had a feature in Latina (laughs) Mag online. Um, Our friend Raquel, uh, Raquel Richard, she's an editor at Latina Mag, and so she wrote this really amazing, beautiful feature about the podcast, about the program. So check it out. It's online. It's amazing. Um, Yeah, I just get so excited and happy when I think about about it, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Raquel's doing a lot of really great work for Latinas, so shout out to you, girl. Um, and then we have a conference coming up. We will be participating in a conference at Pasadena City College, April 22nd, called Adelante Mujer. Mm-hmm. It is for young girls, young Latinas, and young women of color. Um, so yeah, we're really excited to be presenting Femtech. Do you want to talk a little bit yeah. more about that? We're going to present our Femtech workshop, but this time we're going to be talking a lot more about like other creators, yes. other thinkers, other activists, like for example, Kim Milan, yes. her work on fem science. Um, there's a femtech blog and website that's all about um, women femmes using technology for social change. And La Loba Loca, for example, and how she talks about Abuelita Knowledge's technology. So we're going to incorporate those elements of like all the femmes who are like talking about fem science, fem tech. Definitely. I think it's so important um, for us as creators to always acknowledge the folks that have, especially the femmes and women of color that have come before us, that have yes. carved space, paved the way, all that kind of beautiful stuff that femmes do. So mm-hmm. shout out to all of them. And we're really excited. It'll be our second conference that we're presenting at. Yes, we love conferences. Yeah, so thank you to the organizers <laughs> that are bringing us out. Um, and then last night we had, we went to a really dope art show at the, at the Mexican consulate. Yeah. Over here in LA and it was a really cool space. It was. And I've driven by there so many times and I had no idea that that was the consulate. What show was it? The Peralta Project show. Yes. The Rolos and Icons. Yes. Um, it was fun. Tona, Tona performed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Shout out to the artist Tony Peralta. The show was amazing. 
Um, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I have the Celia Cruz con Rolos that was gifted to me about a year ago. So it was really nice to see like the whole series, especially La Lupe, since we'll be talking about La Lupe in, yes. in the next few weeks. Oh, yes, yes. So exciting. Yes, so it just exciting. all like ties it in. It ties together, which mm-hmm. I love. And then finally, shout out, congratulations, Mala has her very first article on the Huffington Post blog site. Yay, I'm so excited. Can you talk about it? Yeah, so, actually, shout, more 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 shout outs outs. (laughs) to Jessica and to um, Tanisha Love Ramirez, who's one of the editors at the uh, Huffington Post, who extended, um, well, you know, gave me the opportunity to write for the blog. So my first blog entry I posted today, <coughs> and it's a post that is dedicated to, to sexual assault survivors, and I discuss Denim Day, Sexual Assault Awareness Month. April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, mm-hmm. which, which actually is very relevant to this episode because we talk about survivors and safety planning, or Absolutely. we're going to. We will. We will. So check that out. If you just <clears throat> look up Huffington Post and you Google, and the, the title is very intentional, right? The title of the piece is, There is No Excuse and Never an Invitation to Rape, right? And so also, you know, major trigger warning because there's discussions of sexual violence, but you should be able to find it. So yeah. check that out. And um, we'll, we'll be talking more about Sexual Assault Awareness Month, maybe on the Instagram, on the Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um Actually, um, her handle is Oyir Con Ojos. Yes. Shirley, Shirley from Peace Over Violence. She invited the Mommy Collective to be a part of a guest video, a Denim Day video, where we're talking about sexual assault, sexual violence, um, and ways to, you know, that it shouldn't happen. Like, not on yeah. my campus, not at my party, you know, really combating it. Um, unfortunately, not all of the mommies were able to be a part of it, but Maritza and I were. Yes. And it was amazing. It was an amazing experience, so shout out to Shirley. It was at guest headquarters. It was. Oh my God, I felt like J-Lo for the day. Hair and makeup. Hair and makeup. It was amazing. They put me in a new dress, so believe me when I say that I felt like J-Lo. I love it. It was amazing. That is my true calling in life, TBH. Um, so yeah, we will be posting that at some point. Whenever that's released, we'll post it on the Instagram. Mm-hmm. So shout out again to Shirley for making that happen. Yes. Okay, yes, cool. Yes. Yeah, so now let's let's get into let's it. Let's get into it. Yes. <laughs> Who oh do we God. have? Who do we have on the show? Our third try. Please. Thank you so much to Queer Chicano Chisme for being so patient, so fucking down. Hey, <laughs> how are you, love? Hello. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Go you ahead. Cut out for us. He's calling in. He's calling in. Introduce yeah, yourself. I'm calling in. This is our third time trying this. Um, hi, my name is uh, Ruben, you can, but you probably know Cano Chisme. I am a multi-platform on all social media. I'm on Facebook, where I post articles that inform my politics and inform and speak experience as like a queer brown chicano femme right um then on instagram i have a collection of images and memes that like are often like really personal um yeah so i, I like talk about need for identity as like a colonized subject of, of latin america um but also like my depression and things like that like i'm very um i'm very open about a lot of things um on instagram but also on twitter 
um, where I basically like map out like my life, like right. my yeah. whole my whole life is on Twitter. Like I try not to to like shy away from topics, right? Because one of the reasons why I created my platforms is because I didn't see like a queer brown like Chicano femme, like right, like doing the damn thing, and I it, there was like no roadmap for me, right? Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and so I kind of in some ways. I want to provide, like, one of what's sure to be many roadmaps for other, like, you know, sissy brown boys, as I uh-huh. call it, right? So that they too can not alone, A, eh? and that there's, like, someone there that, like, that's, like, making mistakes and, like, also, like, thinking critically about, like, not only their existence, but also, like, the systems, right, in which right. they exist. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in our, our second recording of this, our second try, you talked about the creation of your platform, Queer Chicano Chisme, and actually, you know, the sissy brown boys that you're talking about and how you included that in your on your graduation cap. Um, is that something you feel, like, comfortable talking about now? Yeah, um, definitely. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, so writing for sissy brown boys is something that took on, like, way bigger meanings that I originally intended it to, right? So, um... I graduated on June 12, 2016. Um, Congratulations. Which, yes, congrats. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. It was a very long journey. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so if you're familiar with that date, you'll know that it was the same date as like the Orlando um, Pulse tragedy, right? Right. Um, and so that happened on a, on a Sunday morning, right? The tragedy happened like at 2 a.m., 3 a.m. in Florida. Yes. Um but a, but a week earlier, I had done the same thing that a lot of us had done, are doing right now, is which is decorate our graduation caps, right? Yeah. And so, for me, I think um, I couldn't find, I couldn't find who to dedicate it to or what, you know, a lot of people are like thinking their family and the X and Y, right? But as like someone who, who was disowned um, and whose family was a hurdle to graduation, right, mm. as a queer brown person, right. I couldn't be like my family for their struggle because that seemed really disingenuous to me yeah so instead I, I dedicated it to 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 other people like me right who may not have had the opportunities or the light you know or the guidance to to make it to to a graduation stage right so my cap said for all the sissy brown boys that couldn't right oh, and, I wrote I a, love and I wrote a small poem about it um I wrote a small poem that basically said for all the sissy brown boys that couldn't um, graduate because of systemic violence or because they had to stop being sissy brown boys, right? A lot of the time the world forces uh, is to stop being feminine, right? Right, because right. demonize femininity. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. So I dedicated it to them. Um, little did I know that, like, it would take on a bigger meaning um, because, you know, Orlando took so many, like, um, brown and black folk from yeah. us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was in that number there was folks that couldn't, right? There was folks whose dreams were cut cut short, yeah, right. So I put out my poem and and it, and it went viral on multiple platforms, um, thanks to folks like Latina Rebels and Chicanisma. Um, and so what happened with that is that I became really available to a lot of people, right? A lot of people had my my personal Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though I was already like a very popular, like activist and like, um, writer, I didn't expect the kind of attention that I got. Right. So 
to put like a barrier between me and other people because oftentimes people just see you as a resource, right? I created my platforms um, because I saw that there was like a need for like this voice, right? That I was like speaking. Yeah. Um, But also like I needed self-care. Yeah. Yeah. And do you see your platforms and social media as self-care and as venting? Like, is that what it is for you? Yeah. Oh my God. My Twitter is like super like... It's like a double-edged sword. Like, right. sometimes when I write something, like, that's, like, politically charged or, like, socially, like, that's, like, a critique on, like, yeah. anything, like, oh, my God, like, the trolls will come. They always right? do. They flock. They always do. Oh, yeah, they have a flock, right? They and flock. It's not, only, like, it's not only, like, bigots, right? It's also, like, our community, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, can't take criticism for shit. Very frustrating. Um, yeah. Very yeah. upsetting. Yeah, I'm sure y'all know it. Y'all talk about, like, some real shit. Oh, yeah. The shit that we get from our own community when we talk about, what, rape culture? Men. Men. Men men being emotional terrorists. Yes. they are. They they show up, but in the wrong way. You know? They show up, but in in a bad way. Not all men shit. Yes. Yes. It's annoying. Mm -hmm. I'm like, can you not? Yeah. So, like, a, a part of, like, a part of it is, like, really damaging good it's so good right like my on twitter like i found community i found other fans i found a lot of people who like were like damn like critical achievement saying shit that like i thought but i you know i thought i was imagining right Mm -hmm. so when i speak certain things they're like oh my god like they feel less gaslighted yes yeah and gaslighting is when you're made to think that your um that your mental um state is um something that it isn't right and a a form of abuse you know so we've can see you know and yeah. have experienced and most for, of us, for people for folks listening who you know get the term gaslighting might be a new term an example of gaslighting is like it's an abuse tactic right like an abusive person might do bad things to you mm-hmm. you know um but then lie and cover it up and tell you that you're making it up or you're you know you're imagining it to make yep. you feel as if you're, you're crazy. crazy. Crazy making. Exactly. Crazy making, which is something we've we, talked about in the, before. In our first couple of How the world, the world, our societies, like, partici- gaslight, us. gaslight us and abuse us on wide scales and interpersonal scales. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, crazy making. Mm-hmm. So when women, femmes, respond in particular ways to trauma, mm-hmm. it's, we're labeled as crazy, as if the point of aggression began with our reaction right right not looking at the causes yes that reminds me like when I when I had like a really big falling out with one of my ex-girlfriends um one of our at the time mutual friends like reached out to me Mm -hmm. and was like you're calling so and so abusive it makes me think that you're going through something really terrible Um, like abuse is terrible uh, (laughs) yeah like like you must be going through something that's making you make this up because Uh, you're crazy right exactly yeah Example, gaslighting. Gaslighting. So, yeah. So, that's yes. gaslighting. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And you know what, Ruben? You know what I love about you, too? Like, earlier you mentioned that, you know, you like to bring up topics and talk about things that other people are not talking about, that we don't like to talk about. And it's true. And you do it in, like, a lot of different ways. It's mm-hmm. levels. Because you could talk about, you know, the politics, race, sexuality, but... You also want to talk about Selena and the cow print and bring it up. <laughs> yep. People were very upset, Ruben. Myself Can we talk included. about that, please? Can we talk Myself about that? Myself included. 
Tell us, can you can you set the 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 scene of the meme for us? Of the meme, please. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Drag me. Um, yes. <laughs> okay. So I made a meme where it was like a picture of Selena in her iconic purple fit that she wore, and that you know one of her last big concerts, right? At the Astrodome. Um, the Astrodome. Yeah. Um, and then I have it juxtaposed picture of Selena. And Los Dinos in their cow print outfits, right? <laughs> right. She was wearing, like, cow print um, chaps and, like, leather, right? And I yeah. posted, like, the text was, like, sometimes I feel like I'm not doing my best work. But then I remember that for every iconic purple outfit that Selena wore, she also wore a cow. <laughs> and, oh, my God. How did people respond? Please describe horribly, it. Horribly. Oh, my God. The work. <laughs> Got like so dragged. People were like, "You're just you're offending the culture, and and uh, how dare you disrespect the like the idol or like you're you're like being really offensive." And I'm just like, "They came for you." They did. Yeah, and I'm just like, "Hey, this is a joke." Be like, it's called like being like you know, it's like called like self dragging in some ways. Yes, yes. Like, I expect that people to come for me, right? Because you can't. Uh, but it's but funny though because it's me. like. There was, you know, because we even, like, the girls, like, yeah. the Mommy Collective, I can't lie, we we were in our group chat talking about that meme, and we were like, oh my god, that is an iconic Selena look, <laughs> it's so Tejana, we love the cow print. We love the cow print, <laughs> yes. Even us, even us, we were like, side yeah. eye. Mm-hmm. We were yeah. like, I don't know about this one, Ruben, <laughs> I do not know. I love but it. But here's my thing, though, here's my thing, is that, like, I like doing that shit because I like people. I like to. Um, so something that somebody described me as one on a class, right? I'm someone that like um, pushes like um, not only the boundaries but also like people's idea of idolization, right? Mm. So people people see Selena, right? And right. for some reason, we can't touch her. Like, no, we can't, right. Got we it. can't say anything that's even like mildly critical. No, you her. cannot. No. And so she's all we have. She's all we have. People are, we're very protective of her. We're very protective. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you can't separate the fact that, like, how she left us exactly. as to why people are protective of oh, her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there's been, like, oh, there's, like, so many things that can be said about that, mm-hmm. right? But there's also so many things that can be said about, like, the way that we hold on to idols mm-hmm. as Latinxes, as Chicanxes, right? Yeah. We have many of them. We will. Yeah, we have so many of them. We will be talking about another idol in the near at the end, like towards the end of this capitulo. We're going to be talking about another another idol. Um, I don't mean to cut you off, Ruben, but we do have to go into our song break right now. Break, yes. We're we're just we're just getting started. We're just getting started. started. This will be a nice little break, and then we're going to really get into the chisme. Orcasteras peligrosas.
is Lila Downs. Thank you again, Ruben, for bringing this song for us to play. Now, let's get into, like we were talking about, Chisme. Chisme. Chisme in all its facets. Mm-hmm. All, all its yeah. glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, like, um, Chisme is really important to me, right? But, yeah. like... I also want to establish that I approached I approach Chisme like from a very like decolon, decol, uh, decolonized lens, right? right. Like, I I look at it very differently than most people do, and and I want to acknowledge the fact that like um like this is, in essence this is something beyond like its Western restrictions mm-hmm. and imposed definitions or norms, right? Yes, yeah. Um, but I understand that like like a lot of people get like really offended by it, right? And or really. They get really weirded out by, like, the fact that I praise Cheese Man or that I call mm-hmm. myself Cheese Man, mm-hmm. right? And Because uh, it has and, a negative connotation. It does. Yeah, it has some connotations that has yeah. been brought to it, right? I mean, I mean a really um, common phrase that we hear in, like, Latina, Latino, Latina, Latinx houses is, no seas chismoso. Yeah. No seas tan chismoso. Right. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and, like, and I know it's hurt a lot of people, right? Cheese mm-hmm. Man specifically unethical cheese man which we'll get to later like that's hurt people right right um and like if we're gonna like get down to the root of it like the etymology like that means like the root of like the word um uh is like the latin word chisma chisma which means division Mm. um but again like that wasn't a like a word that we and like you know as like colonized latinized like latinx latin american subjects like called that form of expression right Mm -hmm. it was something that colonizers imposed on us Mm. right um so they saw like a practice right that we that we had and then colonizers imposed a word on that Mm -hmm. right and they saw it as like something that was very divided Mm -hmm. right um because that was the only way that they saw things right because not only do we have to remember that um a lot of the terms we use are colonized Mm -hmm. but also a lot of the um the ideas, right, that we have, such yeah. as gender, yeah. right? So, like, binary notions of gender, like, which is, like, a division of the way we look at people, yeah. right? right? That was brought on by colonizers. Yeah, because if you think about, like, so say, you know, you're a colonizer, right? You see these people and the way that they are transmitting, the way they're preserving their their history, their religions, any type of, like, customs that they have, they're doing it through storytelling, through speaking, so creating that yeah. type of chisme, that uh-huh. kind of negative connotation is yeah. vital to destroying what they have. Yeah. And I, yes. I and this makes me think of, of course, an, a great example of this as far as like, you know, safety planning, sharing information, spreading knowledge, organizing in the midst of oppression, like African-Americans and their oral tradition yes. and call and response. And mm-hmm. one of the reasons why black folk on Twitter really dominate Twitter yeah. and really utilize it in a way that is more efficient and expressive than any other yes. demographic. I think black women invented Twitter, to be honest. They invented the internet. Right. That's how I feel. And so we each different type of colonized mm. subject is going to have their own mm-hmm. model, right? Absolutely. Of somehow resisting or responding to colonization. And the spread of knowledge and information is vital to that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely, right? And, like, um, like as a brown queer femme, like, I get that, like, um, again, like, that cheese man has its negative connotations, right? Um, 
because I've also been hurt by cheese, right? But it's also yeah. been, like, really helpful, right? Mm. Not only, like, in the way that y'all have brought it up, right? Like, so people get to, like, um, spread information, right? But also, like, history, right? Mm-hmm. There's certain things that are not written down anywhere, mm-hmm. right? So, like, in its very essence, like, cheese is, like, immaterial, like, truth or immaterial news, Right. Immaterial information. Because mm-hmm. it's information that exists without receipts. Mm-hmm. And so much yes. of our experiences as Latinx people have to do with living and existing without receipts. Mm-hmm. So much of being a femme or a woman or a survivor is about having a reality and an experience without evidence, mm-hmm. without without receipts. Yeah, literally. But, yes. but we have the stories and the narratives, mm-hmm. right? It happened, yes. but it's not documented in Eurocentric white ways. It's no. not, you know, like therefore we don't not have valid. The, therefore not valid, not believed. Mm. Yes, absolutely. And I think right now is like a great time to to like bring up one of like I think our collective heroes, right? Bat Dominicana, who like yes. stands in like the middle of everything we just mentioned, right? Like right. black, like next woman femme, right? Like I think one of the the things that's hit me so many of what she says has hit me really hard, right? Yeah. yeah. So much. Like, if you don't follow Bat Dominicana on all social platforms, like... And support yeah, her. And pay support her. Support her, her. her work. Buy her work. Be a patron. Yes. Be a patron. Uh, shop her stuff at uh, uh, shopsaharakelly.com. Mm-hmm. Like, support... Uh, she makes such beautiful artwork. Yeah. But one of, the, one of the things that's hit me the hardest that she said is, like, people say that, like, educate yourself with books, right? But, like, as an Afro-Latina... Afro-Latinas didn't exist in books. Right. So she's, like, documenting her existence on Twitter and on all her platforms, right? Yeah. Um, and a lot of us all- come from families and areas and regions and villages and tribes and communities where maybe a lot of our ancestors did not have birth certificates. Mm-hmm. Like, our births, existence, were not documented in the same ways, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. like... We could talk about, if we go on Ancestry.com, how far back are they really able to go? Our grandparents, that's about it. To our grandparents, yeah. Yeah. Because I know that my dad's grandparents, they did not have birth certificates. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have their their own original names because Mm -hmm. whatever, like, you know, um, basically rancho that Mm -hmm. you were working for, Mm -hmm. if you were an Indian, an indigenous person... It was not uncommon for you to be given the last name of the mm-hmm. rancho. Mm-hmm. So we're Munoz because yes. we were working on that ranch Absolutely. in Chihuahua, right? Mm-hmm. So how far back can we really go when we don't have our real names, right? When we don't have birth certificates in those documents. Yes, almost this though. Um, talk with y'all before about how like um, the, my mother's birthday on record is not like, actual real birthday. Right. right. Um, this is a perfect because, example. Yes. Yes. Um, okay, so, um, my mother was born in a pueblo where, like, back in the day, right, your, um, like, Catholicism was such that it imposed certain rules on women where they couldn't register their own children. Yeah. Right? So, the husbands had to do it, or the man in the family had to do it. They had to go and, and like, claim a child as their own, 
in order for them to be valid, right? In order for them to be like, have a registry. And to have to rely on men for like stage one, step one of your life to register you, like step one. And to have Um, that be reliant on a man is so stressful to me. Yeah, can I just say like side real quick, my father fucked up my birth certificate because he was in charge of that. So yes, we could have a whole episode about fathers and birth certificates Mm -hmm. and claiming kids and not claiming kids yeah. and lying about having kids absolutely i we, we will save that for <laughs> we'll our next cheese installment so back to yes, you ben ¿Qué pasó con tu mami? Mami. tell us hmm. sorry i was taking a step uh, okay, <laughs> so <here's what's> up. <laughs> uh-huh. okay so like um my mother was born in july right she's a leo as fuck um <laughs> <laughs> um but because the rules were such that like uh, your dad had to register you she wasn't registered in, until late September because my grandfather was born. So when she was born, he went like on a drinking binge oh my for like hella days, right? And when he finally came to, he was already way past that month, right? And, and why was it, can you tell us again, why was it that he was so upset when she was born? Because she was a girl, not a boy. He wanted a boy, so he fucked yeah. up her shit because mm-hmm. she was a girl. So, yeah. on record, what, uh, she's a Virgo? Excuse me? I, so, on record, she's a Virgo, huh? Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> right? Um, but she's really a Leo. She's um, actually a Leo. Which is what matters, and I think it's why I get along with Leos. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, so she wasn't registered until, like, September. Wow. And so... I wouldn't know my mom's actual birthday mm. if it wasn't for Chisme, right? If right. it wasn't yeah. for moral tradition, right? Because the records of Mexico, which is a nation state, right? Yeah. Um, you know, which is like an ultimate form of a colony, right? Because their records show that my mother was born on a different day. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, my, so my government name, not my performance name, is, you know, <laughs> Ariana, right? And my tocaya, my abuela, on my dad's side, when she immigrated here... In the 90s, um, when she was, you know, doing her immigration stuff, when the the person was that was doing her paperwork heard her name, thought she said Adriana. Oh. So there's a D in her name, like in her her documents here. Um, there's a D, so she's not even like by her right name. And she was so afraid to correct him Aww. that she's like, so here she she was living as Adriana and not Ariana. Right. You know. Right. My tocaya, shout out, my abuelita, que descanse en paz. But yeah, yeah, you know, like, and I wouldn't have known that had my family not told me. Yeah. Cause and, it, I, and my dad's family, mm-hmm. my dad's side of the family, my dad's grandfather, so my great-grandfather, and they're Yaki and Tarumara Indians, mm-hmm. are from Chihuahua. And it was kind of a running joke in the family, and my dad would joke that every year they would have a birthday party for grandpa, for great-grandpa. Mm-hmm. But he was like, yeah, well, we don't really know how old he is. He's had his 98th birthday five times. Oh, my God. You know, we just are guessing <laughs> at how old he is. And it's that kind of thing that it's like you want us or we, we should, as people, be able to have all this knowledge about ourselves. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we don't even know how old we are. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> like, That's so basic real. shit, you know? That's but so because real. of structures and history mm-hmm. and oppression and mm-hmm. colonization, all of it. Yes, um, because again, like, like our parents, a lot of the times, like when they come to the U.S. or they, you know, where they immigrate, they like 
homie, like, my mother didn't carry her paper, like, her documentation across the border, right? Right. Like, um, a lot of our parents didn't. Yeah. Right? So, like, your, um, your tokaya, Ariana, <laughs> like, she couldn't bring, like, her documentation and be like, oh, my name is actually Ariana, right? Right. Because yeah. she probably didn't have it. And if she did have it, like, it, it would probably put her in danger. Yeah, there was know? a power dynamic Evidently, you know, she was afraid that this person wasn't going to let her enter the U.S. because she corrected him. Right. Because he, like, didn't understand her name. You know, my little, like, 411 abuelita, you know. Yeah, yeah, from Trujillo, Peru. Shout out anyone if you're listening. From Trujillo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, yeah, like, going back, Um, like, I wouldn't have known that had my family not told me. She's man. She's man. TBH, right? And, like... Chisme can be, like, not only, like, a form of, like, documentation, but, like, also, like, a form of preservation, yeah. right? Yeah. In so many ways, right? One of the first, like, again, like, as a brown femme, of course I've been, like, um, hurt by Chisme, right? Like, I like even though I'm someone who can't hide their, their identity, right? Like, I am very, I mean, y'all see me move. Like, I move <laughs> however the fuck I want to move, right? Yes, like, it is wonderful. I, I, Art. Yeah. Magical. Um, and, and I occupy a very femme space, right, mm-hmm. that, that will never pass as what people think of as, mm. like, a, a man, quote-unquote, uh-huh. right? And so, treatment has been used to, like, hurt me, right? Because people have all these impl- these negative implications of queerness, right, and yeah. femininity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it was it was in college when I found ways in which treatment, um was, like, with, with my close group of friends that they were, that they outlined it to me and brought it to light as something positive, right? Because when we go into these predominantly white spaces, right, we often don't have a safety net mm-hmm. or anything, right? Unless we connect with other people of color, yeah. black indigenous people of color, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, oh my like, God, there's just, and what you just said, there's so much, there's so much to unpack and yeah. to talk about. We it's should, fucking wild. We like, should do like a future, like as a queer or femme, or brown person studying at the university, mm-hmm. like, yes. what you have to do to survive. Mm-hmm. That could be really great for our younger listeners oh, yeah. that are listening, yeah, or folks that are, school, like, not, are non-traditional it. students that may be, like, pursuing something in the future. Yeah. Yes. I mean, we've talked about this about being this part one, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So bookmark there this idea. More. There's a lot of ideas but we you got. know, you know what I love? Because the cheese when it happens, it's a moment. There's nothing I love more than... Because you can tell when the cheese was mm-hmm. about to happen. There's nothing I love more than when my mother comes to me in a, in a, in a hushed mm-hmm. whisper. And yeah. listen. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> listen. yeah, yeah. When your mommy Don't tell your father in. I told you this. Mm-hmm. But, you know, oh yeah, I, I'm ready for it. I'm like, okay, let's go. Oh, let me yes. grab a seat. Yes. Let me pour a glass of wine. I'm ready. You What's know, about to happen? Yeah, you know what? Let me paint a picture for y'all. Because I feel like my... Between my mother and I, our cheese message, like, is while I'm at my vanity. Ah. And I'm getting ready for work. So she comes in and she's like, Diosa. <laughs> A.K.A. Ariana. Let's have a word. And then she did starts telling me. you to yourself as a third person? Uh, yes, I did, bitch. Yes, I did. 
<laughs> once in a while. Once sometimes. in a while. Sometimes. <laughs> anyway, so that is my, like, that is when we have our little cheese mess session. She's like, you know what your papi did? You know what he did? You know what I heard? And I'm like, tell me. Tell right, me. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's a moment. And it it's is. like... When it's about to happen, there's like signals. There are. Yes. And it's so exciting. There's signals to cheese man, right? Yes. And there's all. Yes. Oh my God. There's signals to cheese man. Because, like, girl, like, oh. and here's what the big. This is where, like, a big thing comes, right? There's a difference between, like, cheese man. And again, we're going to talk about, like, being a Matiche, right? Like, yeah. Let's, you know, let's talk about, about that. Them. Let's get into it yeah. now. So, like, there's a difference when somebody's coming to you with some, like, juicy cheese mat that you know is going to be, like, it's going to be good, Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And there's some times when cheese mat is bad, and that's when somebody's being a metiche. Yes. Right? So, metiche is someone who, like, se mete lo que no le importa, right? Mm-hmm. Like, things that don't matter to them, right? Right. So, my cheese mat thread on Twitter um, gets passed, like, it, it gets retweeted a lot. Something that's one of my most, like, um, like, um, my 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 tweet is the most longevity, right? I I tweeted it. I, I formed it in like October, and to the day I still get comments on it. That's right? the thread that made me fall in love with you. Same. That, that was is, yeah. It snatched me, mm-hmm. and I I've been hooked ever since. <laughs> yeah. So like that often gets really um positive like feedback. Yeah. Or it gets completely stolen by somebody else whatever mm. or it gets really bad like feedback right i've had people bash stuff try to comfort me right mm-hmm. for it right and it, mm. it's like things such as like people are like oh remember that like uh f word i mean i uh f word who try to politicize cheese man or remember that and let's be clear these are fellow latinx community members no these are right? probably latino men these let's are latino be real males. not latinx folks latinos yes well it's actually Fiona. a combination of like okay so a lot of, so yeah the majority of them are like are uh latinos right but sometimes i get like latinx is coming for me mm, too right interesting um, so a lot of people right um and so people confuse being a chismoso, chismosa, chismosex, uh-huh. which being a metiche, right? That makes sense. And that makes so sense. Being a chismoso with a chismosex with one another requires a certain level of trust. Yes, right? because we can talk about the fact that when you share chisme, you have particular people that you share it with. It's yeah. not everybody. No. You know who you can trust and you know who you can talk to and who you can't. There's logic behind it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's the shit that people miss. It's like fucking nuance. Mm-hmm. Nuance. It's very so important. important. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, something I even have written bio, right? It's like nuance. It's so mm-hmm. important. Um, Right? Not all cheese made is good. No. Yeah. But who's the biggest metiche that we know of? Who's the metiche that you know of? The biggest metiche. Who's the biggest metiche? The federal government. Okay, so, um, people say that, like, cheese made is a political, right? But cheese is hella political, right? Yes, so political. And the way that people look at it, too, right? So... When we think of, think about like unethical cheesemen, mm-hmm. right? When we think about metiches, right. we must think about the government, right? Always. Yeah. They're metiches as fuck, right? The yes. NSA and shit. They're looking at our records, like looking at shit and the importa. It doesn't mm. matter. Listening that. in on our conversations. Probably yeah. listening right now, TBH. TBH. Listening right the fuck now. Yeah. What up, NSA? What's, what, what what up, what's NSA? good? What's good? <laughs> <laughs> um, right? And so. 
And so because all these things get recorded, right, chisme has been used in very political ways mm-hmm. too, right? So like when we think about like Nixon and mm. Deep Throw, right? If, if um, you know, Pointel Pro. Yeah. And we, um, so basically Deep Throw was like a, uh, someone who was, you know, inside of Nixon's administration, right? Who spilled like the cheese man, who spilled the tea yeah. on that Nixon was doing, right? In order to bring down the US yeah, government, right? listen, whoever, whoever sl- slipped over those Trump tax returns, mm-hmm. that was classic, classic, that's the same as a, sending a screenshot, you yes. know? Yeah. Pretty much. Um, yeah, so like in these ways, like cheese is very political, right? WikiLeaks, so mm-hmm. fucking cheese man. Political cheese man. Yes, right? political, political cheese man, absolutely. And I have like a whole fucking essay I can write about like the way that WikiLeaks came around and who was who was ultimately persecuted, right? Because who was persecuted for that shit? Oh, the Chelsea Manning, yes, right? the transgender woman right? mm-hmm. who ended up being put in a men's prison because of the yes. WikiLeaks fallout. And where is Snowden? Mm-hmm. Whereas the man Edward Snowden did not reap the bad repercussions. No, of Jesus, man. no, right? No. no, it's really it really is very incredible. And we can talk about, we can point out the fact that when the United States government engages in metiche or chismoso shit, it's labeled literally as intelligence. Mm-hmm. Yes! It's oh literally called yeah. intelligence, bitch. Intelligence. Yes, and that comes down to like how chisme is gendered. Yes, right? yes, because the power dynamics. dynamics. Yes. yes. Yes, but let a mujer, men, let a mujer, shit, like, let a femme, let a bitch engage in some <laughs> gossip, then it's chismosa. frivolous. The chismosa, it's frivolous. Yeah, it's, it's not intelligence era. anymore. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, right? Um, sorry, I just saw that we were all talking over each other. I remember this joke about like how podcasts are often like millennials talking over each other. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my God, I love it. No, um, you know what? It'd be like, like that sometimes when the cheese is that good. Yeah. Y'all are talking over each other. Yeah, truly. Yes, but there's this thing about like talking over each other, even when you're cheese and mm-hmm. that you can, that we're still listening to each yes! other. Yes! Also, I feel like this is a very Latin American thing because in yes. the U.S., like when you speak English, like you, it's like a wait and response, right? No. In I, Latin America, I, yeah, yes. you are all having like five different conversations at the same table and everyone's listening. Yes. She's most You know what? You know what? You know when I noticed that white people really do speak differently and have a whole different speaking structure mm-hmm. than Latinos than we do. When I, I was in the white man. The what? <laughs> I said, when you fucked the white man. Well, no, no, not then. That's not when it happened. A different time. <laughs> Another a time. A different time. So, no, like, okay. A, I went to a predominantly Latino and Filipino elementary and middle school. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to high school, I went to a predominantly white high school. And I noticed right away that, A, the way people dressed was mm-hmm. extremely different. Yeah. I was like, why is everyone barefoot, basically, like, I don't at understand. school? That was me when I went to UC Santa Barbara. Yeah, I was like, how come no one yes. wears clothes at school? Like, it was strange. It was different for me. Mm-hmm. I was like, they don't do their hair. They don't nope. put makeup on. Oh Not that God. They don't even wear yes. shoes. Okay. Yes, they don't wear shoes. Go ahead, Ruben. Yeah, that's the same shit when I went to UC Davis, right? Mm-hmm. It was all these, like, you know, all these, like, socio white people. Who Literally. Like, who, like, try to pretend they were poor, but they were hella rich. Hella rich. Right? Yep. So, but, like, 
the thing about like whiteness is that like people don't judge you on the way you look that as much no. as they judge you when you're a black and yeah or femininity or femininity why women yeah. uphold or, femininity yeah. And so not only did I notice that expression in general was different for white people. And I noticed this when I was 14, right? And I went to this white high school. So expression in general is different for white people. So not only how they dress and the way that they carry themselves, but the way that they speak, right? And I noticed in high school and when I went to college and I joined the Senate that there was this emphasis on rules and regulations when it came to discussion and debate. Mm. Like this Lincoln-Douglas-style debate and where there's rules and, like, convention. And when one person speaks, other people cannot chime in, no matter what that person is saying, Mm. right? Yes, oh my God, The form matters more than the content with whiteness. That goes with that whole, like, well, everybody's entitled to an opinion. Right. Even if it's hateful, even if it's demeaning to people of color. Yes. Queer folks. Yes. And then, like, rebuttals, so even important. rebuttals, even rebuttals are, like, regulated. So you can only respond a certain number of times and if you adhere to certain protocol. Mm-hmm. And this is supposed to be in government, like, debate settings. It was so strange to me. And I could not do student government for more than a year. Mm-hmm. And it had a lot to do with the restrictions on the way that we spoke. Right. I couldn't stand it because I had to sit and wait for all these dumbass, like, fucking... Cr- oh, my God. Just so, so out of touch. Just so tone deaf. Just so, in every way, ignorant, like... All these people like saying all this horrible shit, and you're literally not allowed to respond. You know? Yes. Okay. Yes. Anyone. Okay. So I brought up like fucking white man because that's how I came into like how white people communicate, and it's just like it's very much like not like this, right? Yeah. Like, no. They yeah, hello, like they no matter what the fuck the other one is saying, like they're not accustomed to shut, shutting people down. The clapback is not strong. They yeah. don't do it. It's like, it's like, there's this essay that I read in college, but it's like about like the language of whiteness and how like everybody's polite and everybody's saying Politeness. something without saying anything. Yes. Right? Yes, and then here we come. Back. Yeah, here we come. Yeah, which brings us back to like how people say like you sound white or whatever, right? They mm. mean you sound like quote unquote polite, right? Yes. Well, we aren't necessarily polite, right? We just learn to like navigate white spaces. Exactly. The code yeah. switching, the code, code switching, switching. Yes. has to happen. And it's so layered for for folks, I feel like U.S. Latino folks, Latinx folks, Chicanos, Chicanexes, because not only do we navigate, like, code switching in, like, the class sense, but also, like, language-wise, like, English-wise. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's so interesting. It really is. Yeah. Um, so that brings me to, like, um, existing in, like, one of the biggest... Um, predominantly white spaces um, in college, right? Like you, yeah. Um, you don't like there's Ruben, like sectors. Can right? you that the last sentence? Can you repeat it because you cut out a little bit? Yeah. So college, a lot of the time, you don't know where actual spaces are, right? Yeah. Yes. Right. Like there's like Latinx centers, but oftentimes they're not actually safe. Right. right? And there's like a Latinx Chicanx study department. But it's not necessarily safe. Oh my God, so we can so talk violent. about cheesme mm-hmm. and survivors. Yes, okay. This, and community and yes. safety planning and, and disposability and accountability. Oh. This is such yeah. a good transition, yes. like talking about the university and like Chicano, Chicanx, Latino, Latinx spaces and how they're supposedly safe. But really, a lot of these men in, our, yep. in the fucking departments are predators. Predators. Predators yes. and abusers. And our communities protect them. Have multiple, multiple rape allegations against them yes. from students oh but they're they're on their tenure 
Right. You know, they've done so much. They give so so much funding comes to the department because of them. So let's not touch them. Let's protect them as opposed to these vulnerable students. Right. So, but how do we learn to not take their classes Mm. through Cheeseman, right? Mm -hmm. Through a down-ass TA, through a a grad student. Right. Somebody (sighs) else, an older student that like took them and is like, watch out. Don't be careful. careful. Yeah. Don't take this class. Don't be or alone don't with this person. With this activist. Yeah. Don't with or this don't person. mess with this activist. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I think, um, oh, like as someone who's a survivor of someone in like who, like activists, right? Um, like coming out about like my rapist, like is not gonna, it has historically not led to survivors being believed. Right. Or, to rapists being persecuted, right? Um, as we know, as we know, in the United States... As we States, know, it's not like just a projection. It's like, as we know. Yeah, as we know. It's statistical. It's factual. And this is information. And this is why it pisses me off when, like, Latino men, like, when men of color come at us with this very Eurocentric demand of show me evidence. They want the science. They the want the science. The well, the thing is, and it's funny, though, because when it comes to violence against women and femmes, the information is out there. Even the Department of Justice collects this information. The city, state, and federal level, like, we know that the number one threat to women and femmes, to our safeties and our livelihoods, are men. The men in our lives. That's what we know. That's what we know. You know, you could yes. literally go on the DOJ website and see it plainly written out. And it's been acknowledged and this information has been collected for years, but there's still this cognitive dissonance and like mm-hmm. unwillingness to acknowledge, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um and like accountability, like what accountability, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it doesn't ex- it doesn't exist specifically in activist spaces, right? Because who do we gather to protect? Like we don't gather to protect women and femmes or queer and trans people of color. No. Like we gather to protect men. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And specifically th- cishet men, but not limited to cishet men. No. Right? Anyone who fits the ideal of manhood. Right. Or masculinity. Masculinity. And so that leads us to a discussion of right of right, like disposability, mm-hmm. which we begin to notice and we begin to see, at least, you know, I do because of the the work that I do with rape crisis and working with survivors, we begin to see this, this ongoing trend of, we bring up this idea that people are not disposable, but we bring up this idea generally when it comes to protecting a known abuser or a known perpetrator's position in the community. Mm -hmm. We only talk about disposability when we're trying to keep abusers exactly where they're at and not changing their access or their position or their power. I have never in an activist space, in a Latinx, in a brown black space, heard anybody say, because women and children and survivors are not disposable. We will take disclosure seriously and we will take safety for women and children and femmes and survivors seriously. So yeah. we will separate, you know, perpetrators from community for at least a time or we will take steps. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've never heard that. I have only no. heard people aren't disposable. So such and such outed abuser should be allowed to have all of the space at the art exhibitions, at the talks, at the conferences, at the performances. We're not going to change anything about their access Mm -hmm. to the community based on what we know about them, you know? Who gives a fuck about the survivors? Who gives a fuck about the survivors? And this is why, like, cheese mate comes into play, right? Because 
we know the system is in here for us, right? Mm -hmm. We know no one's going to protect us, specifically as survivors. So how do we protect one another? We spread that ethical cheese man, right? Yeah. Um, we protect, we were like, hey, homie, don't hang out with this person. Don't, right. don't like, like, this is what happened. We don't just say it to everybody. We say right. it to people who we trust and who we want to protect. Right, because a part of ethical achievement is, is knowing power dynamics. Yes, yes. right. Because who are you protecting and who are you exposing? Right. If yes. If the achievement is ethical and with the intention to protect and inform, then you w would not be exposing or outing a vulnerable individual. You would be yeah. exposing and outing power and a hierarchy and an imbalance and violence. Yeah. Right. Abs absolutely. So someone recently, like I mentioned earlier, my achievement thread is like constantly like circulating right mm -hmm. yeah. um and somebody recently came to me with like some shit about like well uh fuck you chisme is what had my whole pueblo demonize my mother for remarry mm. right and and i'm just like no homie that's like being on that's being a metiche yeah and that's spreading unethical chisme yeah because in our in our culture right women who remarry or get divorced or women who do anything mm. outside of the norm get yeah. demonized right yeah, yeah. So, her pueblo was being hella metiches. Yeah. What the fuck do they care that, that somebody's parent so, got remarried? Right? I feel like that goes back to not actually cheeseman, but actually protecting masculinity. Because... Mm. Oh, yes. Because who who is she, like, wronging by remarrying? Exactly. The man, the, the former partner. The first husband. The first husband and his family. Yep. Yes, absolutely, because men are never freaking, like, demonized. For and because if we're thinking about, if this was a woman in Latin America, mm -hmm. right, and who knows what decade, what year, right, yeah. what other economic options did she have for survival mm -hmm. besides yes. marriage? Oh my God. Would she yes. want to demonize the fact that she got remarried so she can eat and have a place to live? Mm -hmm. So she's wrong because the circumstances force that type of interaction that's victim blaming yeah oh my god fuck yes um so this brings me back to like something that like Sandra Cisneros um wrote one time um and I'm just like it's not verbatim but she was basically like how in Latinx Chicanx cultures like women and queer and trans folks are united um by the fact that they're off um women specifically women who um are open about their sexuality mm -hmm. are demonized uh, in ways that parallel queer and trans folks, right? Mm. Like we all, we all get kicked out of our house, right? right. Like because we we decided to be open about, yeah. you know, our desires or who we are, who we yeah. are, right? Yeah, and you know something that we talked about in this the second recording of this same <laughs> this trilogy, <laughs> this trilogy. Um, is the importance of chosen family and for queer uh, folks especially like chosen family like is extremely important it's extremely vital to to our survival as queer folks trans folks femmes you know like I shared about how my brothers want to give me shit because they're like you're always with your friends you never come and see us you know but these straight men will never understand the importance of being seen by queer folks yeah. you know by your chosen family so you know, the fact that we're able to, we have to create these separate families because our, our blood relatives, yeah. our blood family, like, they don't see us. Ah, they don't respect us. They don't love us. the institution mm -hmm. of the nuclear family mm -hmm. is designed to affirm the cishet man. Exactly. So he is affirmed yes. in mm -hmm. that in that traditional model of family. Absolutely. But only he is affirmed. Only him. Yes. 
that's yeah, like, that's, of, that's a whole like you know, family's family, yeah. you gotta forgive each other. No, no, actually, your family could be the most toxic... The most harmful. The most toxic Element. thing that you ever encounter, experience, have to survive. Yes. Absolutely, right? So, like, not only do we build these other families, <laughs> but oftentimes we build entire languages mm-hmm. separate from our family. Um, I'm thinking specifically of queer and trans people of color, right? Yes. And the ball scene, right? And, um, we developed, like, shade and reading, right? And all these types of things that, like, cishet populations wouldn't understand, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, specifically for me, right, when I um, when I was a little queer brown kid um, and I was looking for ways to survive, like, my oppressive, like, like not only, like, my family situation, but, like, my community, mm. I found outlets, right? And I found them through cheese man, right? Yeah. You, could, you couldn't promote, like, come over here, like, closeted kid, right? Like, right. It's a safe space, right? Because then people would know about it. Yeah. And then people who are trying to hurt queer trans people of color would come and infiltrate it, right? So you have to be, like, you have to be, you have to be a cheese, cheese mosso, cheese mosso ex about it. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it's for our safety, Right, so cheese oftentimes is used to protect um, queer and trans people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that is a good transition into the song that you that you brought today, right? Because there's like the language of it, you know. Yeah. That I think we can tie into what you just said. Yeah. Um, so this is, I guess, our um, we're exiting. Um, so I just um, before I go into the song, I want to bring up like. Um, again, follow me on Twitter, yes. IG, um, Facebook as Queer Chicano Chisme. Uh, if you have a store or art to sell, use the hashtag QXCIG and I'll find you and I'll promote your art on my platforms yes. and your shop. Um, if you are reading, um, America Chavez, um, which is a comic book mm-hmm. by, um, a queer Latina writer, Gabby Rivera. Um, for Marvel, um, use the hashtag make mine Chavez, and I'll also promote you on my platform. Yeah, um, just because I, I feel like we should promote um, queer and trans people of color who are doing the damn thing. Right? I have a I have a question about that because <laughs> I would like to read this comic book, but where does one buy it? Where does one buy this where comic book? Where do we find book? it? Yeah, um, you can buy it online or um, at your local comic book shop. Um, okay. I will look. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. So that's, oh, that's a whole other, I can talk about like comic book shops and how they were safety for like a little queer fam. Um, oh, I love it. Part yeah, two. Yeah, but Part um, two. there's a comic book shop. Um, I know in South East LA, which you, um, where y'all preside, um, the nearest one I think is in Bell Gardens, oh. which is, um, because I grew up in, in South East LA. So yes, like, for sure. Like, Send me that like info the, separate from yeah. this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll Metropolis talk about Comics, that. It, was, it was owned by a queer woman back in the day. Oh. Um, yeah, so that was definitely my sanctuary. But again, um, if you're reading um, America, use the hashtag MakeMindChavez. Um, let's support queer and trans people of color like in mainstream media. Um, yes. And you have a song, yeah. another song for us. Yeah, so yes. we're about to okay. get into so that. Getting so into manga. Yeah, let's we can, you know, we don't have to play the song right away. We yeah. can have a discussion about let's, let's, manga. Let's talk. It's important. He is very, very important to our communities. And I feel like the the discussion about code switching and new languages, right, is really important when discussing Huanga in this upcoming song. Yes. 
Yeah, um, so there's so much to unpack with Wanga. Um, I consider him the patron saint of sissy brown boys, right? Because um, honestly, growing up, like, he's all I had. Mm-hmm. Like, I did not have anyone else tell me that I can grow into an old age as, like, someone who is not only queer, but also, like, sissy, right? Like, yeah. not masculine in any, like, like stretch of the imagination, right? Um, so when he passed away, there was a lot of... Um, talk about how he's not really queer right mm. um and that's because kwanga existed in this like intersection of cheese and queerness yeah right um he was never like openly out about it right um you had to decipher what he was saying what he was thinking about um and how he existed in this world mm-hmm. right um so when it, one of like the the biggest like, things people cite when speaking of kwanga's um sexuality um and gender was his quote like que se ve no se pregunta, right right it, you know is in question yeah. right and he was and that was basically him asking not only um it was like it was like there was a dissonance right it wasn't only him asking people to stop chisme it was also asking people to assume mm-hmm. things about him yes right It was an invitation in some ways, Mm. as well as a response. Yes, absolutely, right? So when he, you know, when he passed away, there was a lot of people, I wrote, like, one of, another one of my popular threads on Huanga, right, when we had to experience double trauma as queer brown folks, queer Latinxes, queer Afro-Latinxes, queer black folks, right? As Not only where, like, when Pulse happened, people were reporting on it as, like, this this was an LGBT tragedy. Or this was this was a Latinx tragedy. Mm. No, like very few outlets initially were reporting on it as both. It was intersectional, right? yeah. So when Juanga passed away, it was the same thing. And so again, LGBT Latinxes, Afro Latinxes, we had to like fight to like be like, no, this this is important to us. Yeah. yeah. Right. And that was again because like Juanga never cemented his identity as queer. Yeah. Because he didn't. He wanted to exist as a legend, as something, and and like one of the things that we forget is that legends are cheesemen, mm. right? Oh my god, legends. so true! New right? new legends. components, totally new components. Yes, wow. legends exist because we pass them out verbally, right? Despite like you can read a whole fucking Wikipedia article yes. on Fonga, but it don't mean mm-hmm. shit if you don't have like a whole ass background and then somebody pushing yeah. the significance to yeah. you right and it is really interesting that that like a lot of you know latinxes mexicanos chicanos chicanexes wanted to have a sort of ownership mm-hmm. over him by denying that he was queer yeah which you know what we talked about in the last capitulo or no in this capitulo but the last recording is yes. like it's still just another way for folks to claim to want to own to want to dictate ownership possess a femme body yes you know he was a very femme queer person you know and the fact that even after his death controlling even after his death they want to they want to own him right these these men i mean you said in particular that there were folks in your mentions being like no stop it like he was not gay right yes um because if he's not queer if he's not femme, then all those tears, those cis, cis-het men 
cried to his songs mm-hmm. will be validated. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? Yep. Because everybody cried to Hunga. Everybody. Um, but wow. yeah, so getting into the song, um, it's uh, El Noa Noa by Juan Gabriel. And in it, he says, um, vamos al lugar, lugar de ambiente, right? And the term de ambiente, which was used by uh, a lot of gay men in um, the 90s specifically, um, to signify that somebody was queer or gay. Right. Yeah. Right? And ambiente, <laughs> right? I said, like, that guy's down. Right. Yeah. Um, which means he, that guy was queer, mm-hmm. right? And if we want to look at Juanga as specifically like as a queer subject, right? We can look at his lyrics, right? People are people are often like, well, he often sang to feminine pronouns, right? To querida, right? To mm-hmm. ella, right? Mm-hmm. But when we look at the language that like people um, Latinxes, queer Latinxes use mm-hmm. specifically gay queer men, right? Um, we often use like um, feminine pronouns, right? Yeah. Like ella for other queer men, right? Yeah. Or other fans, right? So ultimately, we can if we take that lens to um, Juanga's music, we can see that he, <laughs> ulti- he was like doing like the ultimate like femme for femme like you know um, manifesto, right? His right. music was that, right? He was singing and crying. And proclaiming his love to other fans, mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the most beautiful things uh, in this world, really. And that's and, why, like, yeah. he he is like so important to me. And you know what's interesting is it seems like you know celebrities, people in the public eye, unethical or negative chisme like gets spilled about them all the time, mm-hmm. right? Like celebrities get their most intimate stuff exposed yeah. quite often, and it often has a lot to do with like who they hang out with. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like Kwanga did not have that type of experience no. with lots of negative receipts and negative cheese and people were not trying to expose him. He was sharing his cheese with trusted people. Yeah. Yes. Who did not expose yes. him. Yeah. Right. And yeah. even his <coughs> even his, you know, late wife, his partner that right. he was married to that had he had children with, like I'm sure she knew everything, but did she, like, say any of the, you know, did she spill, spill any the of the tea? Like The frijoles. Did she spill the frijoles? No, she did not. You know, she was like, we were friends. He was my, you know, my husband. We had these partner, children. My right. partner. Yeah, exactly. <coughs> so, yeah, I think what Mala says is true. Like, no. He he knew who he was spilling or who he was telling the cheese met to. Yeah. Uh, I love Honga. Um. <laughs> yeah, shout out. He's from Ciudad Juarez, which is where my my mom is from. Right. Yeah, and in in the last the second recording of this, <laughs> I shared how she went to one of his concerts in I want to say the late '90s, early 2000s, and she saw him walking up on stage. And like yelled at him and was like, Juanga, yo también soy de Juarez. And he blew her a kiss. I love that story. Yeah, and she was in mourning Aww. for a very long time, you know, probably still is. But yeah, yeah. He, mean, he, he means so much to our communities on, in multiple levels, on multiple levels. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's play the song. Let's play the song. Yay. And thank you for bearing with us and for being so patient. And Ruben, thank you so much for recording with us three times. Yes. <laughs> and no for, problem. you know, Y'all just being like, a, a trooper. 
<laughs> yeah, thank you so much for being patient with us, for being willing to record with us. And the next time you're here in LA, we will have to do our brunch. Second, oh, brunch. And then <laughs> our second installment, Tamien, and yes. then brunch. Some bottomless. Yes. Yes. For nobody. Yes. Mm-hmm. So anyways, yeah. so here's Juanca. Yeah, thank you so much for tuning in to another capítulo of Locatora Radio, for tuning into Brown Girl Hour. We will catch you next time. Besitos. What the world needs now is positivity. Connecting, relating, and being human together is where it's at. Hi there, honey German, and I know life happens, but trust, you got this. And stay Farm got us. It feels good knowing that State Farm agents are there to help you choose the right coverage with great support 24-7. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Psst, there's a shortcut to platinum status at Shell. To saving 10 cents per gallon on every fill every day. Just fill up six times with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline and it's yours. Plus, you'll rejuvenate your engine. Get ready to level up performance, rewards, and savings. With continuous use in gasoline direct injection engine fuel injectors, Platinum status is earned with 12 Phillips over three months, 10-gallon minimum per Phillip at participating Shell locations. Terms apply. Visit fuelrewards.com status. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steel, is every Thursday a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.